0: Ushers, so we appreciate your ministry. Church, we thank you for your liberality this morning. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 8. Mark, chapter 8, we're going to be in verse 22, reading all the way to verse 26. I mean, if you guys are ready for the Word of God, amen. Very good to see everybody on a Sunday morning, good spirits seeking God. This is the Lord's Day, Amen. Better is one day in the house of God than thousands in a court, right? Better is one day. Mark chapter 8 is where we're going to be at, verse 22. 19th century inventor Gail Borden was obsessed with the idea of condensing food. His first effort, a condensed meat biscuit, failed miserably, but an ocean voyage gave birth to a better idea. Borden was concerned about the sickly condition of the children on board. Cows on the ship were too seasick to produce healthy milk. And four children died from drinking contaminated milk. So Borden was determined to condense milk, something that's very familiar to us today. Condense milk so that it would be safe and easily transported. After many tries, he devised a vacuum process that removed water from milk. Conditions during the Civil War made the canned milk a success. And Borden made a fortune. You know that last name, Borden, B-O-R-D-E-N, right, Borden? His epitaph, inscribed on a tomb the shape of a milk can. And it said this, it said, I tried and failed. I tried again and again and succeeded. You know, sometimes we need More than just one try to get things right. In our scripture, we see a man who needed a second touch from Jesus to get his miracle right. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26, says, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged them to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked them, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. Say with me, again. And he opened his eyes. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not ever enter the village. Let's pray this morning. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled A Miracle Pattern. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment you've given us. I pray that by the Holy Ghost, you'll begin to open God's hearts in this place. God, if there's anybody here, they feel they need a second touch, God, I pray that they'll get the courage, the boldness to stand up, God, and ask you again, Father. I pray, touch some people, a complete miracle in this place, Father. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. And the people of God said this morning, amen. amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is miracle personnel. We are all connected to people family, friends, acquaintances. This is the whole drive to social media that you can be connected to people that you lost over time and begin to t- talk to people that maybe you've met somewhere and you lost them. But we are all connected to people. In our text, it says, some people brought a blind man. Here it is, this man, he's blind. Obviously, he needs assistance. He needs help. And is the people around him that are able to take him to where he needs to be. You've heard uh, me preach Sunday, uh, last Sunday morning, a sermon called tear the roof. And I was talking about how there's times where we as believers in Christ need to tear some roofs for other people to have faith for other people. Jesus saw the faith of those men and said, by your faith, he's made by your friend's faith. By your brother's faith, you're made well. So there are times where we'll need those people we're connected to. This is why it's good for you to learn how to make friends. I know at times people, one of the the, 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 the trends is it's just me. I'm just going to do me. Can't trust anybody. People are fake, and you go on and on. Listen, somewhere in life, you're going to need friends. You're going to need friends, and that takes an ability to learn how to make friends and keep friends. There's people, they struggle to build churches because they can't make friends. Might be a good preacher, but they can't make friends. Your future can be seen by those relationships. No doubt over the years you've heard Pastor Campbell say, I can tell you your future by just looking at your friends, right? Take a picture of your friends and you can see your future. This man's future, his whole life, was determined by his friends. Those personnel, if you will, those around him. Jesus didn't want him in Bethsaida. Why? Well, history says, Jesus said, that Bethsaida was a cursed city. You could do your own study on that. But somewhere Jesus gives a man a miracle and says, leave that place because it's cursed. You know, when you receive a miracle from God, there's times you're going to have to leave some places. There's some relationships you're going to have to cut. There's some things you're going to have to remove. There's people you've had an experience with God, but you have failed to leave Bethsaida. You have failed to cut the world off. And that way now you're looking at Christianity as a felt process. It's just an emotional moment. This is a time that I had, but now it's different. That tells us something. Not only are we connected to people, but there's some people that aren't helpful in your life. And I'm going to preach my sermon here this morning. I don't don't know if you might be cross-eyed this morning looking at me all kinds of crazy, but I'm going to preach, okay? There are people in your life that aren't helpful for you. There are different people who are not healthy for you in different areas of life. No doubt we've spoken about salvation. When you get saved, there are some people that are just not good for you in salvation. Every person has other people that threaten their salvation miracle. Maybe you guys know salvation is a miracle. The reason you're here today, saved in your right mind, on the way to heaven and not hell, is because God did a miracle in your life. Yes, you can thank the church, you might even be able to thank a preacher, but overall, it is God who you thank because he drew you in. It's a miracle, but there's always going to be people who will threaten that. I remember as an 18-year-old young man, I remember getting saved And there was people who wanted to pull me out of church. Why go to church when we can do this? Well, we have a party on Sunday. Well, we got to play a soccer game. And there was just all kinds of peer pressures and pulls. There's people who aren't helpful for your salvation. It goes without saying there's people you might have struggled with drugs. Can I tell you your drug dealer is not helpful? I'm I'm just saying, I mean. I mean, I know you want to keep him on your phone book just in case, and he's going to get saved one day, and I'm going to to witness to him. Listen, he's not helpful. Faith, faith, you know, faith is an atmosphere. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 28, where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. Think about this text real quick. <clears throat> I don't know if you just read over it, but here it is. This, the, 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 they're, they're looking into the promised land. The brothers came. There are spies that came, but let's check this out. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Our text says there was people who weren't good for them in their faith. They had a test. They needed to go. And no doubt there is an enemy. There's always an enemy. There's always resistance. There will always be opposition. Serving God is not just walking on clouds. There's always a spiritual enemy. And there's going to be people at times, they will hurt your faith. My, Our brothers made our heart melt. How? They said, those people are greater and taller than we. There we people who will hurt your faith. 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So you need to surround yourself with people. Be good to your faith. Good to your drive. Good to continue to go forward. Another area is your Progress. You can hang around people who aren't going anywhere in their life. And guess where you're going to go? So what happens to people is they get stirred to do something for God. This happens in conference time, right? You make the decision, you save up finances, you do what you got to do, ask for PTO or just for the days off and I get paid for it. I've been there. But you end up going to conference and you get stirred in conference. God speaks to you. There's all kinds of different words from God. You get stirred to come back to find some people who are cold. It doesn't only happen at conference. It happens at times in services. God speaks, stirs. Then you hang around with people who aren't stirred. And very quickly what happens is they're pulled down to their own level. There are people who hurt your progress. Then there's survival, whether you survive in crucial moments. All of us here, we have moments in life that it's either we serve God or we end up leaving the will of God. Those are crucial moments, forks on the road, if you will. you got to turn left or you got to go right, and one of them is right. There will be people who will help you survive in those crucial moments, but there will also be people who will help you go the other way. You guys with me this morning? But then there are those. There are people who can help you in life. Some people beg Jesus to touch the man. I want you to think about this in our text. Verse 22, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him. What an incredible text. What an incredible dynamic. He has people who will beg Jesus for him. You need friends like that. Any friends who will say, you know what, God, I see him. He's got a problem. I beg you, touch him. Yet people who cared and who put him in touch with Jesus, that changed his life. So let's think about those same sections on the other end of the spectrum. Salvation. The powerful part of salvation is you begin to make new friends. You you gain a new family. You gain a new group of brothers and sisters who are not going to throw a bag of cocaine or a bag of weed towards you. But they're going to help you serve God. They're going to be there. They're not just going to take your side whenever you get in a fight with your spouse. They're actually going to tell you the truth and tell you, hey, you're kind of wrong there. You shouldn't have spoken that way. You gain headship, you gain a pastor, you gain leaders, you gain men and women who are able to speak into your life. That's what salvation brings. The area of faith. I think all of us can attest that there are people who can help you believe God. Mark chapter 2, verse 5, as I even, even as I say that, you got somebody in mind. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Sons, your sin. Or son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw their faith. It was the faith of his friends. Some people, listen to me, will literally make it easier to believe God. I've made it a point over the years. I've told God, God, help me to make it easier for people to serve God. Let me not be an excuse for others, but help me to make it easier. Help me to be a blessing. I heard Pastor Alvarez preach, um, pray that a while back. God, make me a blessing to my pastor. Make me a blessing to my wife. And I adopted that prayer. I said, God, help me to be a blessing to my church, to my wife, to, to, to my brothers, to my disciples, and so on and so on. Help me just to make it easy on people. And we can speak about progress. You know, Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Women Mitchell, he used to say, if you want to be a 100%er, or if you want to be a 100%er, then you better hang around with 100%ers. Is that somewhere you surround yourself with those that are actually serving God. You know, some people, you might be saying here this morning, Pastor, I'm struggling, It's it's hard to stay on fire for God. I have a question, who are your friends? Who are you hanging around with? Who are those that are able to speak into your life? And many times, I can guarantee you, there's a very straight correlation. Well, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you're hanging around with somebody that's pessimistic, somebody that's cynical, somebody that has these mindsets and it's going to be hard for you to serve God. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, when it comes to survive, it says this, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil, for if they fall, one will lift this fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift them up. You guys ever fallen and nobody saw you? There's a relief at some point. You're like, oh gosh, I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> but at the same time, the other day, my, my wife and I were at an intersection and there was a kid that got to the intersection and he he was on his bike and he went like this and he missed the pole. So he just, boom, and he fell and he just gets up. <laughs> he just gets back on his bike. So there is a relief, but at the same time, if he would have gotten hurt, there was nobody to pick him up. You've heard me say this stories when I was mountain biking, there were times where I fell. There was one time specifically, um, we got off trail, we were trying to be adventurous, and I, I, we, we got lost. and we were trying to make it in, probably 10 miles in. We, I was already tired. And I was ignoring a lot of the stuff that you do in mountain biking. You, you go down and you lean back and you do these things. I didn't do that. I flipped over, my bike went over me and my pedals have the ends of, ends of screws. That's what mountain biking pedals are. Got into my leg and all this stuff. Well, I wasn't by myself. I hit hard. I remember hitting hard, my air getting out, but I also remember opening my eyes and Pastor Carrillo was there to help me up. <laughs> If I would have fallen by myself and got a concussion, who would have been there? Jesus, yeah, who said that? Thanks. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Two are better than one, it says. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and he has not another to lift him up. So i want to move on to my second thought, and that is tailor-made Miracles. Jesus does miracles in people's life in different ways. To one, he touches. To another, he casts out the spirits. To another, he just says a word. To other he asks for root causes. What is the problem? Your sins are forgiven. Miracles come in different shapes, different sizes, different flavors for people. Salvation is not a program of one size fits all. People come to Christ in different ways. There's people here, um, you got saved in your living room, right? We're a fellowship in the ministry. We stand against entertainment many times, and we say no to TVs. But there's people here today, you're saved because you saw a video somewhere or you saw it through TV, whatever the case may be. Salvation comes in different ways. Jesus deals with people individually according to what they need. This is why some sermons hit different than others. Now, while you're here and, and this was touching you, that for another person, it's just something he takes in his mind and he considers it later. God knows what's in our hearts and he knows what we need. Consider Naboth. Elijah wouldn't even talk to him, but God dealt with his pride. Tells him, go dip in the water seven times. How many of you guys have heard that story before? He goes in there seven times, and what is he doing? He's dealing with his pride. There's people here, listen, you're asking for a miracle, but God needs to shape other stuff first. So he'll do it a certain way with his wisdom and his intelligence. Think about it, dip seven times. That shows God's wisdom. That lets us know that God is smarter than us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning, think about this, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You think you can hide it from God. Discerning the thoughts. And intentions of the heart. This is why we don't just copy. If I was just to copy, I'll have somebody up here and I'll spit in my hand and get some mud. But none of you guys will want to do that, right? (laughs) This is why we're not like, oh, this is spit doctrine. No, it's God's wisdom, not ours. It shows God's compassion that God cares where people are at. It shows God's love, that God will tailor-make a miracle for people through his love for them. Think about that. Here it is, this man, he's blind. And, God, and Jesus prayed for blind people before. Lays in his hand, pray for them, they get sight back. But this one, this one, he did it different. That just shows that God will do what he needs to do. He'll shape it. He'll tailor-make it. He'll make it personally for you. Maybe, you guys, maybe you guys hear a testimony here, you have a personal miracle that God has done for you. It's unique. You can look back and say, man, God did it for me this way. Because that's who God is. That's the character and the personality of God. This is why we can trust God in whatever he is bringing into our lives. Because there's wisdom, there's intelligence, there's love, there's compassion. And he's all tailor-making it for us. There's somebody here tonight, today, listen, you need a tailor-made miracle in your life. You're looking at your life and you're saying, my life is different than his. How is God going to touch you? He's going to touch you the way he needs to touch you. He will tailor-make it. He will make it personal for you. I'm going to close with my third... And then we're going to pray for miracles tonight, this morning. That is pressing in for a miracle. Our story is like this man's story. That's a story about a partial miracle. And as you'll take a time here this morning to be honest with yourself and be sincere, there's people here, you got a partial miracle. God has touched you. Yes, you were blind, but now you see people that look like trees. And people don't look like trees. So it's a partial miracle. Mark chapter 8, verses 23 and 24. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked them, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. This text is noted for our encouragement. That a man is touched but it's only partially healed. See, human nature, we like to think of black and white. We like to think of either it's yes or it's no. There's no room in the middle. So we tend to look at people, you've heard Pastor Greg Mitchell say this, we tend to look at people as either all good or all bad. Right? So if there's a little bit of bad on someone, they're evil, they're not saved, they're not right. with God, they shouldn't belong in church. But then you see a little bit of good on somebody and then we exalt them to a place where they shouldn't be. So it's good or it's bad. But our text tells us that Jesus can touch somebody and still be partial. Still be in a place where they can say, I've met Jesus. I've encountered him. I've touched them, but I still need more of him. See, some will be touched today by God or some have already been touched by God, but you're still struggling with habits. You're still struggling with addictions. You have an attitude problem. There's pride involved. You got all these different things and what Satan will do is mess with your head about that partial work. This is what God did for you. You don't deserve the full conversion. You will never change. You will forever be the same. This man could have thought, what's wrong with me? As many people, many times in church will say, what's wrong with me? Could have said everybody else got a miracle. What about me? I only got a part of it. This text shows us something that's incredible, an incredible dynamic in every single one of us here today and that is Jesus is not done with you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him Jesus is not done with you. Revelations chapter 12 verse 10 says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers have been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. He's the accuser of the brethren. He will bring condemnation, remind you of how jacked up you are, and how crooked you are, and all the mess you've done, and yeah, Jesus touched you, but that touch didn't fix you. Nothing can fix you. If Jesus can't fix you, then what else? And begin to flip it on you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not done with you. He's not done with us. He's not done with this church. He's not done with the saints here today. He's not done with the new believers. Maybe you're here today, you're, you're kind of like, you know what, I want to serve God, and I, but, but I got these things. Listen, God's not done with you. The key is that this man remained connected to Jesus. See, salvation is a miracle of a moment. You remember you raised your hand. Maybe you're at home, you pray to yourself. Or like I said earlier, in front of a TV. But you got saved, and it was that moment. But we need a further, further touch. We have salvation... Then we have the word sanctification, which means to be saved over time, to be purified, to be refined. Sanctification sanctification is change over time. The picture of salvation is this, that at times we need a second touch. And Jesus' reaction is not a reaction of disgust to touch the man again. Jesus didn't look at him and said, it's your fault that you weren't healed. He didn't look at him and said, you know what, just figure out how to live life like that. Sure, people do look like trees. He touched them again. See, many times the problem we have is we have this faulty perspective of God. We think God's in heaven and he's like this evil emperor with a lightning bolt in his hand and just waiting for you to fall. And the moment you fall, I told you so, and sends it right down. And that's the picture we have of God. Sometimes the picture we have of God is the picture we had of a father who was absent, or maybe he wasn't absent, but was abusive, failed promises. I believe this is where our Bible tells us that God's not a man to lie to remind us that we're not, we're, not, we're not dealing with a guy. Sometimes we have, our experiences shape our perspective of God. You dealt with a lot of rejection in life, and now you're scared to get that second touch. You're saying, well, yeah, this is what I get. That's just it. That's my portion. It's incredible to see that Jesus touches this man again. I believe this text is also for our instruction. If Jesus doesn't treat people the same, why should we? Jesus doesn't kick everyone else out when Peter was the only one who got a revelation. You guys remember that text? Matthew 16, verses 16 and 17, he's asking, who do you say I am? Everybody says the wrong answers. People say this, and people say that, and or you, you, maybe Elijah, or maybe this prophet. But then Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, everybody else leave except Peter. That's not what he said, right? He said, you guys are kicked out of church. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has now revealed this to you, my Father who is in heaven, and he continued ministry with all those guys still. This man needed to be healed on his own level. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, be at peace among yourself. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. People serve God at different levels. And you gotta be okay with that. Not everybody's firing and all the cylinders. Not everybody's hyper like you are, bro. I'm just saying. And you gotta be okay with that. You know, there's 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 mothers who have 16 kids. <laughs> at least it feels like it, right? And it's like you gotta be an outreach. You gotta be at this. You gotta be at no. They gotta raise their kids. Amen. They gotta be good at that. They gotta be excellent at that, or not. They're gonna be held accountable by God. I'm telling you, listen, the Bible tells us don't fear man who can hurt your body. Fear the man, God, who can set your soul to hell. I mean, think about that. People serve God on different levels. That's what ministry is all about, is meeting people. A minister meets people where they're at and picks them up. Right, It's not just come and follow me. If you can't, then just whatever, figure it out. No, it's just meeting people where they're at in life and helping them get to the level they need to be. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So the challenge here this morning is don't settle for a partial miracle. Don't walk away seeing people like trees. But say, God, I need another touch. If God's starting something or started something and it's not complete, don't settle for that. We can press in for more and for a complete miracle. You will have in life whatever you settle for. This is why people never break out of a poverty cycle. So they just settle for that. They just settle for the job they're going to get, settle for that minimum wage, the 13 hours, maybe $13, and never aspire for anything more. You will have in life whatever you, whatever you settle for. Not only is it true in money, it's true in conversion, and it's true in miracles. As people here today, it's been a long time since God has touched you. Been a long time since you sent them, you felt that miracle power of God upon your life. There might be people here this morning, you've grown cynical towards everything. You're beginning to throw up on other people verbally. No, it just doesn't work. That's just, the, it's different now. It's just different. It worked back in the day, but today, no. You're not being helpful for the faith of others. God wants to touch. I mean of if you guys believe that here. God wants to touch us. Then we believe for miracles. We believe that God can touch us once, twice, thrice. Is that a word? <laughs> and we say, you know what, God? You're going you're to do it for me. I'm going to believe God. I know you can do a complete miracle. You love me. Some of you guys, it's, it's just as simple as reminding yourself, God loves me. He hasn't forgotten about me. You know, need to understand that. You know what? I can go to Jesus. I can approach the throne of grace and of mercy and say, "God, I need your touch again." There's a wonderful book by C.S. Lewis. It's called "Mere Christianity." The word "mere" means simple. It means it means just singular, just something focused. And he says Christianity it needs to be mere. It can get so comp. We can make it so complicated sometimes. Right, Christianity can be so complicated in our minds, but in reality, can we make it mere and simple to when, remember, you were a sinner and all you needed was a touch from God? Can we make it that? God, I need a miracle touch from you. This is why we come to church. You remember when you used to come to church? or maybe you still do. But you used to come to church and you're like, God, I just want to hear from you. That's all I want. I just, I, just, I just want to touch you. God, I want this service to be different. I don't want just another religious moment, just another Sunday in America where everybody else goes. I want to be touched by you. I want to encourage you here today. You have miracles that are that you need, or maybe God already touched you once, but you need a complete miracle that you will rekindle that fire once again and say, God, I need a complete miracle. God, I need you to do it fully. I'm going to trust you that you can do this. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And respect to God and respect to your neighbor. In a moment, we're going to pray for those that need miracles. But maybe here today, at this moment in time, you need a miracle called salvation. You need God to set you free of the cycle you have in life, the cycle of sin. Maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's lust. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a cycle of anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, You know you're stuck and you know you're trapped. You don't want to ask for help because it's shameful. Or maybe you have been asking for help just in the wrong places. You scream, nobody answers. You need help. You're here this morning, you're saying, I'm tired of this life now. I'm done. I need change. I need something different. That's you here this morning. You need Jesus Christ. You need to be saved. Would you raise your hand in this place? I see that hand. I see that hand on his heart. God's dealing with you. I see that hand. So don't be ashamed. This is between you and God. Maybe you're backslidden or a person who used to be right with God. But today you're far from him. You were touched by God. You can talk about the experiences, but today you're today is just not there. The heart is far from God, and God spoke to you today. You want to reconcile your relationship with Christ. That's you. Would you raise your hand? God's dealing with you. Hallelujah. Very well. But our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you raise your hand, would you look up at me? Did you mean that? Did you mean that? Did you mean that? I believe you did. Why don't you stand up? Stand up to your feet. Come here. Come here. We'll have an altar worker pray, lead you into a prayer this morning. Amen. Very good. I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to Christians. Church, listen, my whole first point was on friendship and relationships. I want you to really consider that and take that to heart. That there are people, not only are they are there people that are good for you, there's also people who aren't helpful for you. But not only think about it that way, but make it personal that you will become a person who is helpful to others to serve God. I think there's that's an I think I believe is an incredible reward. Can you imagine that they will be standing in eternity? And you'll be able to see those people. You, you help them. You help them. The sacrifice, the, the times you analyzed, you looked at yourself, and you dealt with your own character, as much as that hurts, and as much as it hurts to look at yourself and say you're wrong and you need to change, all those times are worth it whenever you're standing, not only here, but also in eternity. And you can look at those people and you help them be who they are. Or maybe you're here and you've, you need a miracle. You need God to touch you. You need a second touch and you need God to touch you again. Let's all stand up to our feet here this morning. These altars are open. I want to encourage you to come and talk to Jesus as we sing out this song. Hallelujah.